Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. Welcome back, folks. Episode 42 of the podcast. Nick McVicker in studio. Kyle Vardy could not join us this week. He has a family matter that he is dealing with, uh, but... I'm still thankfully joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by my good buddy Irfan Manji. Irfan, how you doing today, man? Good. Excited. Got a new mic. I hope everyone can hear it. It's crisper. Um, uh, I'm like a five-year-old child on Christmas Day that like opens up their box really slowly going, what is this thing? I was so <laughs> pumped, like super pumped about it. So I hope everyone can hear me a little crisper um, and also see me in the video. You want to pointing at it right now. I am so pumped with this mic. <laughs> He's like a child, folks. It's great. We and him were talking about it for like two days, trying to figure out which mic to get, and it was it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we got a lot of sports to talk about. NHL announcing key dates for the upcoming season and the season after. NC two-way conferences have gone crazy this week with announcements. Players in the NFL, well, one player in the NFL has asked for a trade. And we're bringing back a fan favorite and host favorite segment at the end of the show. So make sure you tune in through the entire episode. But let's start off with the kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. Calling all kickers and punters in the Southern Ontario region. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabriel, are both University of Guelph alumni. And after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at canadakickingacademy.com. Or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. I actually put out a fun uh, challenge to the boys at Canada Kicking Academy. Saw a really cool trick shot video of kicks. I want them to do one after. Let's hope we can uh, get more fans to bug them about that. But our our kickoff segment this week, we're going to stick with the NFL like we did last week. And the NFL is sticking to their no fun league policies. And they're banning post-game jersey swaps and interactions within six feet. And yes, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and I understand that. But here's my problem with this, and Irfan, I will let you talk after. I want to get this off my chest. You're asking these players to go head-to-head, sweat on each other, push each other, tackle each other for 48 minutes. Especially the linemen who are like literally in each other's face every play. 48 minutes, back to back to back to back. And then at the end of the game, you're not going to let them swap jerseys and show a sign of respect to players on the other team? You're not going to allow them to shake hands and show a sign of respect to players on the other team? Like, they're all wearing gloves, first of all. (laughs) Outside of maybe the quarterbacks, pretty much everyone wears gloves in the NFL. What, What has to be going through the NFL's mind to say, yeah, no, 
no, no, no jersey swap, no interaction. We're not playing this game with you guys this year. What has to go through their mind, Irfan? Um, well, A, they're dumb. Because <laughs> we established that already. Um, you're basically hugging each other for an entirety of a game. You're spitting, you're whatever, you're touching your face. Your ah, no, 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 hold on. You're not allowed to spit. You're not allowed to spit. But if you're wiping the sweat off of your, your brows with your gloves or whatever, and, and then you're still able to tackle each other, um, I don't see the problem in this. Um, I'd say, you know what, if you really want to swap a jersey, you can go wash your jersey and then do the swap just to be safe if you're if you're worried about COVID. But right. um, most of these players wear a shield. They, they wear some sort of protective. The only players I'd be worried about are the linebackers because they're all up in each other's face. Um, you mean the linemen, right? The linemen, same thing. Um, so, I don't know. Like At this point, do you make it no-touch football just so you are following the rules of COVID? I, I I don't know. I you, think it's dumb. You can't. Like, and, like, I know we talked about this before, you and me off air, but think about, let's take away the the skill position players, like the running mm-hmm. backs and the wide receivers, uh, yeah. and even the quarterbacks to some extent. Like, those linemen are literally face-to-face for 48 minutes. Yeah. Right? Well, let's say 24, because half the time the offense is on, half the time the defense is on. So 24 minutes out of a game, you're face-to-face with the other linemen. At the end of the game, like, let's be honest, they want to show respect to the other team. Like, that is that is the beauty of sports, especially the professional levels. Like, you get that chance to show respect. I, I know growing up, we used to play absolutely brutal rivalry matches here in the South region for soccer and the OISL. Like, we used to beat the hell out of each other for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game... There was no handshakes because they knew better. We did our handshakes before the game. Mm-hmm. You would still get handshakes, I should say. We didn't stop doing handshakes at the end of the game. We still did. But like when it was the rivalry games, the refs were standing there waiting. Like They, they knew better. Mm-hmm. But we still respected each other. Like We would give the handshake. You might see someone talking, talking shit, but there would be handshakes. It's part of the game. You beat the crap out of each other for however long the game is, and then you show a sign of respect that, hey, the other team stood up and took my shit. Right? Uh Like, that's how it is. That's how it's always been, and that's how it always should be. They're fighting to keep the damn national anthem before the game, and they're mad that players are going to take a knee, but no, 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 we can't after the game show a sign of respect. Like, it's so contradictory to the flag argument. Because what is their argument for playing the national anthem before the game? No, oh, so you're asking um, That's a legit question, yes. Th- it is, yeah, and I think it's the, the whole thing about the flag. Like, I mean, players have said it's not about the flag. It's about equality and respect, but the NFL is always going to... Go ahead, sorry. No, I was just going to say, but my question is actually, like, what is their argument to keep the national anthem in? Oh, they haven't really said anything except for it's the national anthem of... The United States, right? Like I haven't heard anything. Big right, but the, the reason the reason that they're keeping it is because it shows a sign of respect to the country, mm-hmm. right? And they're worried that people are going to kneel and disrespect the flag, which is a sign of respect to the country. Yeah. So their argument to keep the national anthem in is that it's a sign of respect, but they're going to get rid of 
players swapping jerseys and handshakes, even though that's a sign of respect. Yeah, I don't. Like, it's contradictory. It is totally contradictory, and I just don't get it. It makes no sense in my mind. Yeah, it's like you respect one thing and you're okay to respect one thing, but then when it's about respecting each other, then there's no... Exactly. I just... Zero. I just don't get it. And it it boggles my mind that people have this problem, and I'm like, like, it's jersey swaps and handshakes. Like, I get... Go ahead. No, go ahead. So the other thing that really caught me off guard was the the tweet by Tom Pelissero, who was like, it's uh, forbidden and prohibited. So they use right. like these massive words to like isolate the players, and they're like, why? What? Like I, I just thought the use of words was a little different, but I guess they're like they can just say because of COVID, we recommend that you don't do this. Maintain your distance. Um, I know you mentioned something off air about um, face masks, so I'll let you take that over. But um, just if they're maintaining their social distancing and they're safe about it, I don't see an issue. Right. I mean, you're bringing sports back, so the reason you brought it back is because you think it's safe enough to play it, so then why can't you modify the the normal in-game rituals exactly. and end-game rituals? Exactly, and you know what? Like the NFL players all across the league have been uh, vocal about this since it came out, and Richard Sherman is probably the best example, and I'm going to read his tweet. Um, and he says, this is a perfect example of NFL thinking in a nutshell. Players can go engage in full contact game and do it safely. However, it is deemed unsafe for them to exchange jerseys after said game. Now, if they're really worried about players not having a face mask or whatever, there's a simple solution. And I already talked about it with you. I'm going to bring it up now. Mm-hmm. The simple solution is you have staff that can carry a box of unused face masks or what reusable face masks, right? Whatever you want to do, wash them. I don't care. Have a specific one per player, right? Don't doesn't matter to me. But let's be honest, the NFL is going to have the players have specific face masks with their NFL team logo on them. That guy who's in charge of the face mask at the end near the end of the game starts handing them out to whoever's on the bench. Right? The 11 players on the field, as soon as that last whistle blows, he runs onto the field, hands them out. Do your jersey swap. How big of a publicity stunt is that? Like, think think about this. It's not even a stunt, but think about the good publicity that you could get from that as the NFL. Your team, the players, are wearing face masks with the NFL logo beside the team logo. Swapping jerseys, showing a sign of respect while practicing social distancing or proper social distancing stuff with the mask. Are you kidding me? That's huge. Like, that would be massive for the league. You're going to want fans to pick those masks up as well. Like, if you're, uh, you know, a Packers fan or a Giants fan, um, you're like, yo, you know what? I want to support my team. This is how I'm going to do it. And they already do that. Like, they sell those masks already. So, it's so simple. It's so easy to build a, a media platform based off of the masks at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And yet now they're just going to say, nope, you got to go straight to the locker room. You know what would be a great idea? I'm just thinking for them is like if they sold their masks and then all proceeds go to a certain charity, uh, like for like racial equality and um, black life movements. Like I think that would be a great show of respect from right. NFL since we're on the topic of and, and you know what? The fans that are pissed off and the players that are pissed off, they'd be like, you know what? They're making an effort to, to make a change. And um, 
I mean, we don't work for their publicity team or their media team, and clearly not. Um, they they they're missing out because we're great with our ideas. <laughs> so we're here for. But, but in reality, they can make back a lot of money that they're afraid of losing. Um, it's added revenue. It's it's a sign of, you know, following the rules as well. I, I don't know. I haven't seen anything from the NFL at that level. No, and I don't think we ever will. That's the problem. But that's that's kind of where it's at, and it, it's it's frustrating because there is such a simple solution to it, and they could they could just go with it, but of course they're not going to. So it is what it is. Um, anything else you want to say on this topic before we move on, my friend? Um, I believe just the update on when training camp reporting is. I think it's for rookies and veterans is July twenty first, and then full team is July twenty eighth. So in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we got. Two, next yeah. two weeks, we'll have people in training camp. For a lot of the leagues, yep. All of the leagues at that point, everyone will be in training yeah. camp. That's crazy. That is. That's insane. They like We legitimately could have NBA, NHL playoffs, MLB regular season, NFL regular season, Potentially the MLS playoffs. Mm-hmm. All happening at the same time. <laughs> Three months of silence and everything kind of abruptly wow. starts. That's, yeah. I'm going to be totally screwed. <laughs> Too many things going on at the same time. But I digress. Um, that'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you're looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Daniel and Gabe are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. You can follow them at canadakickingacademy.com and on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. So let's move on. And the NHL has announced the return to play and CBA has been agreed upon by the NHL and the NHLPA. And with that, we got a slew of key dates coming up. So I'm going to start with two to start, okay? Um, The first one, the play-in rounds are going to start July 31st, so 20 days from today. And the full playoffs, so remember the play-in round is that first round, like the Leafs-Columbus series. And everything. The full playoffs are going to start August 9th, I believe, is the date that I see. Um, yeah, so August 1st, you'll get the best of five starting. And then um, the round robin for, like, the top four teams will be the second. And then you're right. The 10th is that day off. And then they'll start playing. Yeah. I'm just looking at, uh, yeah. So that's really cool. Like, we're get, we're going to have hockey in less than a month now. Getting all the players into the two hub cities has to start. And that's a big thing, and that's going to take some time, and that that needs to start, like, now. Um, And if the league can't do that, there's a chance that these dates move back. Like, there is a possibility that these dates change. Mm -hmm. But it's good to see that it's happening. And they've also announced there's going to be, like, three games a day in one of the hub cities, basically. So they're going to play five games per day, which is... Just insanity. I'm going to be watching hockey a lot. Yeah, six games a day. Yeah, I'm going to be watching hockey with MLS. It's very odd. <laughs> very, very odd system. Yeah. Um, 
We will get into a preview of those, by the way. Because there's eight play-in series and two round robins. So we got a lot of hockey to talk about in the coming days. Or coming weeks, I should say. But let's keep it focused on these key dates. And uh, a couple more that kind of jumped out at me. Um, the Stanley Cup Finals will start September 20th. And end no later than October 2nd. Right, so that's that's good because then we also know that when this when the Stanley Cup will end, like it, it, we will not go past October second. They will ha- we will have a champion by that day, and then uh, the rest. October second, sorry. Yep. October second and October fourth. There, just double checking with you. Make sure we're on the. Uh, I have October second, but. Oh, okay. So, one of the October seconds or fourth. I have the fourth written down for the score, so just make sure we're Okay, well, early October. Early October, yeah. And then the draft will be mid-October. Let me see what Sportsnet says. Yeah. Uh, Hold on. So regardless, I think think this is good by the NHL to come out with a good CBA, come out with um, tentative dates, uh, hotel plans. Um, where teams are staying like we haven't heard much from the MLB like I'm comparing them because they're the next to start up Um, so I mean there's going to be hockey there's going to be soccer at the same time there's going to be basketball at the same time there's going to be football eventually like we said before so um, shit ton of games I'm I'm impressed I'm happy and I'm glad that we'll have something to watch there yeah, no, I, I agree, and um, you're right. I'm seeing Sportsnet is saying October uh, 4th as well. So all my days are too off. I don't know. I, I was reading another article that must have just had them wrong. Um, but regardless, like, everything is coming back and everything is going. Uh, baseball is coming back as well. Obviously, the players are in training camp now, um, which we'll get into a little bit at the end real quick comment on the Jays and what they're doing um but the other the last key date that really got me excited is free agency starts seven days after the finals end so regardless of when the last game is seven days after is when we will see free agency start so if if it goes seven games it's August 11th Mm -hmm. which is key like Think about how many players have to get their season done and then all of a sudden jump right into free agency. Like, it's a quick turnaround. Th- th- like Alex Pietrangelo. Let's say the Blues go to the final. Mm-hmm. You get seven days, dude. You get seven days to figure out whether or not you want to stay with the Blues, who could mm-hmm. be back-to-back champions, or test the free agent market. Yeah. It, that's that's huge. And there's also no more... Remember that week phone opening for free agents that they used to have where the week before free agency started, uh, mm-hmm. players could be contacted by teams and discuss yep. possible terms and stuff? Yeah, that's gone. It no longer exists. It will no longer exist moving forward. So that mm-hmm. changes free agency massively. It goes back to the way it used to be where the day free agency opens is the first time you can talk to a team. Yeah. So it's going to be chaos. Like, 
that is the best way to put it. Big signings will get a lot of movement. Like I think it'll be fun. Yeah, but my question is: is the first day of free agency going to get a lot of signings? Though that's the real question, because players won't have enough had won't have had a chance to talk to a bunch of teams and figure out which one they want to go to. They're going to be inundated with multiple phone calls, multiple emails. Is that going to affect day one of free agency as much as we're used to? Like, remember, free agency used to be Canada Day fun, right? Like, that's yeah. when it normally happens, and that's when it's going to happen again in the future. Like, that's just how it is. This is a right. very odd year. Let's remember that. Is it going to affect the Canada Day madness that we're used to? I, I think because we've had a three-month layoff, um, like guys like Putter Angelo have spoken in depth with their agents and I'm probably sure they've listed what they want to do, what they're looking for and how they're looking for it. Of so, course. Yes, maybe maybe day one won't be as booming, but day two, three, and four we'll probably see when it picks up and I and I think that's when, you know, Petrangelo's gonna be like, This is what I'm looking for, this is what it is and the agent's gonna send that email out on the first day, the minute they can and be like, If you can comply to these terms, send us an offer. Right. And and that's what I'm saying. I just don't think day one we'll get as many signings as we're used to. True. Like, think about it. TSN and Sportsnet dedicate an entire day to free agent frenzy. Mm -hmm. They dedicate an entire day to trade deadline day, right? Like, that's how it is in Canada. If there's no week to talk beforehand, are they going to be dedicating an entire day? Do they need to dedicate an entire day? Is I guess is the real question. Maybe not with the amount of you know, analysts and panelists that they have, right. I'm, I'm sure they'll cut it down to half and kind right. of split it throughout the week because of the unique situation. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think I'm on the same train as you think about a little bit more. Day one might be slow, but hopefully day two, three, and four. You might get a bunch of re-signs up with teams. So, you know, guys on your team that are on firing contracts less than a mil or something, you'd be like, you know what, we can probably re-sign you by the first day and make that announcement. But Exactly. Uh, nothing too big like a guy like Petrangelo who's I think one of the biggest chips in the market this this offseason I don't know yeah I I, I honestly don't know and it'll be interesting to play out um Mm -hmm. last couple dates that I want to just throw out there the draft will happen October 9th and 10th Mm -hmm. so we'll be covering that as best we can uh training camps open November 17th and it will be a 14-day training camp instead of the month-long one that we're used to. Mm-hmm. And then the 2020-2021 regular season will begin December 1st. Okay. So we have to remember, like, this next season coming up is going to come up real fast. Like, we're talking less than two months separating the end of one season to the beginning of the second season. We're talking a month and a half between the end of one season to the start of training camp. Like this For is sure, yeah. this is an odd year. But it'll be very very interesting to see which teams can make the turnaround, make the signings that are mm-hmm. necessary and prepare yeah. because next season is going to be an odd one too because they're probably going to have a slightly condensed year. You're not mm-hmm. going to get many 2 days off in between or games. One week off. You're not gonna, yeah. You're probably not gonna get that week off. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's gonna be interesting. Like, obviously, we're speculating on that at this point, 
because there's no they haven't talked about what the season for 2020 2021 is going to look like schedule wise. Um, but if they're pl- if they're planning on playing 82 games, which it sounds like they're trying to play 82 games, starting in December, you're losing two months yeah. of your schedule because usually we start in October. It's going to be tough. You got to fill in as many open spots as you can. You're not going to get many layoffs. And even if they yeah. push the start of playoffs back a month, right? Let's say a month, it's still tough. You still got to cut 30 days from the middle of the season. Yeah. Yeah. So. It'll be interesting. I, I'm excited um, to see how that works out. But the other big thing is that the CBA has also been ratified. So that's that's good until 2023, I think, is what I saw. Believe so, yeah. Um, so that's awesome. It's good to hear. And yeah, we're, we're we're excited. I'm excited. The salary cap remains at 81.5 for a little bit. Yeah, which makes sense. Uh, yeah, and players have until 5 p.m. this coming Monday to make a decision if they're opting out of the new return to play. Right. Uh, where I, I think we can transition there, but Travis Hamannick has pulled out. Yes. Yes, he has. So I'll pose, I'll pose this question to you. I know we briefly texted about it. Who do you think is next? Do you think we're going to have a domino effect of many bunch of players? Or what's um, going on? I, I could not tell you who I think is next. There's a bunch of players who could be, like, I, I can tell you right now there's two players who are in the play-in rounds who might not be allowed to play. Okay. Uh, and that's Max Domi and Capo Caco because they both have uh, diabetes and they might be deemed ineligible okay. to play. Um, whether, But when it comes to opting out, I really could not tell you uh, who might be the next. I do expect there to be more. That's that's something that I do expect. Um, it will be very, very interesting. As big of a loss as like a star player is, I think the one if a if a goalie opts out, mm-hmm. that changes the playoffs. It does. Like let's, I'm gonna throw like a super out there one. Uh, just for sake of conversation, like, what if Rask pulled out? Um, I think Yarrow. I think the team believes in Yarrow enough for him. Fair enough. What if Vasilevsky pulls out? Uh, what if uh, Jordan Bennington pulls out? Uh, Jake Allen's capable enough. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said Jake Allen's still the same Jake Allen seven years ago, um, but he's not. Uh, like, but that's uh, what I'm saying. Like, what if, um, God, I'm trying Price? to think of another. What if Price? Oh, the the Habs are done. What if? Yeah, and you said Freddie. What if Freddie? Yeah. Right. Like, what if a big name goalie opts out? Yeah, especially if they don't have a capable backup like a one B. Yeah. That 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 makes a difference. Like, what if Bobrovsky mm-hmm. pulls out in Florida? Joy. I think that would actually make a bigger impact than losing a top-line center, like, let's say, Matthews. Yeah. I think so losing like, Freddie would be more detrimental to the Leafs than Matthews sitting out yeah. or Tavares sitting out. Because mm-hmm. they're going to give up shots anyway, so... <laughs> you need well, yeah. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> you need someone to stop the puck. Okay, let's use a different team then. I think using losing Vasilevsky would be more detrimental to the team than losing... Stamkos. Yeah. Right? Like, 
because they've played without Stamkos at multiple points of the last couple of exactly. games. Exactly. So yeah, I can see them doing that because they have they have depth. Exactly. Uh, so that's that's a conversation that needs to be had. I know a friend of the show, Michael DiStefano, just had a he recorded a podcast last night. He tried to get me on, but it was way too late. I was just like, <laughs> not in the mood. But he wanted to talk about that, and he actually was talking about it on Twitter. So you might want to check his uh, Twitter page out. Um, me and him went back and forth a couple times, and he he agrees that there's going to be more players probably opting out. It's the level of player. Like, Travis Hamannick is a loss to the Flames. Like, don't get me wrong. He's a top defenseman on that team. Not the top defenseman. Like, obviously, that's still Mark Giordano. But Travis Hamannick's probably two, maybe three. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a top defenseman on that team. That's a big loss. But it's not as big as if they lost David Riddick. Yeah. But that's my two cents. Sure. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think we've learned over the course of the last couple of years that if your goalie can't make a stop or you don't have a healthy goaltender, you're you're screwed no matter how good your team is. Like right. you talked to Pittsburgh, if they lose Matt Murray, as good as Tristan Jari is, is he capable of you know, taking that team deeper? Right. Because sometimes the pens take risks and they leave their goalie hanging and so it's a question to have. I agree with you one hundred percent. Um Let's move on, though. Uh, speaking of opting out, this is a very odd transition, but just deal with me here, Irfan. NC2A has had conferences announcing very tough decisions this past week. And let's start with the big one. And Ivy League, the Ivy League conference has canceled all fall sports which means that there will be no Ivy League football this coming year. They were the first conference to make the decision, so I want to talk about that first, and then we'll get into the other conferences' decisions after. But the whole football season is canceled. This is huge. And my dad made the joke when I – because I talk to my dad about all things sports. Like, that's just what we do. I'm like, hey, did you hear the Ivy League? And he's like, yeah, the smart people canceled their program. I wonder what the rest of the conferences are going to do. I'm like, <laughs> that's a valid point. All right, good. You win this oh, one. Wow. <laughs> um, but, like, honestly, like, the Ivy League is the schools of, you hate to say it, but, like, the smartest students, right? It's the Ivy League. It's the whole point. And they deemed it not safe to travel and canceled all fall sports. What does that tell you? That this virus is legit and players who are not making money, the college players, they're not going to put their lives at risk. Like, at least that's how I'm seeing it. Yes. That's that's exactly how I'm seeing it. Because there's no way in hell they're going to cover such a massive medical bill. Like, they, I mean, I'm sure they have to if the player gets hurt or is yeah. sick. But if I it's, if it's dis- sports related, they have to. Yeah, but I don't think they want to dish out thousands and thousands of dollars to players that aren't making money. No. No, not at all. And the thing is, like, there's going to be no fans, so you're losing that money as well. Like, it, it's just, it's the product of losses at this point, and you're trying to not lose as much as you possibly can. So, it, it I wasn't, let me correct that. I was surprised to hear that the NC2A had a conference close everything. Mm-hmm. 
Because we've been hearing it in Canada all over. We've talked about it. U Sports canceled all fall championships. CCAA canceled all fall championships. Most of the conferences have canceled fall sports, right? Like Canada West, OUA, and AUS all canceled fall sports. Mm -hmm. Then you go in the college ranks, and four out of the six conferences have canceled all or most of their fall sports. Right. Um, the Manitoba College Conference is playing soccer, but that's because they have four schools all within like 100 kilometers, 200 kilometers of each other. Like they could realistically drive there and back. It's not like it's they have to stay over or anything. No. Right? They're so they, like they, they can actually get a soccer season off. Like that's that's a doable mm-hmm. soccer season. Um, the Quebec Conference, which is the RSEQ for both college and university, they haven't made an announcement whether or not they're going to cancel fall sports. But they only have 236 kilometers between their two farthest schools mm-hmm. in either college or university. So regardless, like you're not, their travel times is very, very drastically different than what would be Ontario. Because, like, let's take Ontario, for instance. There's Most teams have to make that trip up to Lakehead. Not in football, like, but in other sports, you got to make that trip up to Thunder Bay and play Lakehead. That's, what, a 10-hour drive from here? Uh, probably, yeah. Like, it's, it's not doable in a day. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, you're going to have to sleep over. Right? Or you do the Ottawa, like, University of Ottawa or Carleton, making the trip out to Windsor. For football, mm-hmm. it's no, sorry, <laughs> that ain't that ain't a day trip. No, you can't even do that. You can't even do the trip from Toronto to Ottawa in a day comfortably. Yeah, while playing a football game, you have to stay over. So yeah. it doesn't make sense. Canada West had no chance, like, like zero chance. They they span four or five provinces, yeah. DC. Alberta, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. Three. No, because Candle West is Manitoba as well. No, so there you go, four. So it's four. Good luck. Think about that trip from Manitoba to to Victoria. Victoria, yeah. UVic. Not happening. (laughs) Not happening. No. So it makes sense. Down in the States, they've been adamant that they were going to still play sports. Adamant. And now an entire conference pulls out of fall sports. And the one thing I haven't seen yet is how it's going to affect two-term sports for the Ivy League. Like basketball, hockey, volleyball. Those sports are two-term sports. They play them from middle of fall to middle of the spring term. Right. Right? Like, that's that's how it works. It's the same in in, uh, Canada. And what they've talked about in Canada is that those two-term sports are going to start in January with the winter sport mm-hmm. semester, spring sports semester. Yeah. Is that what's going to happen for these two-term sports in the States if an entire conference wants to play but doesn't want to play at the beginning? Like, are, are the Ivy League schools just going to start in January mm-hmm. while the other schools start in October, November? I don't know. Like, that, that's a tough question. And like, how are you going to make up games? How are they going to make up They won't. They yeah. won't. So it'll be interesting to see um, how that kind of all plays out. Um, 
the other conferences have made decisions as well. And let's move on to that now. Um, the Big Ten, it's not technically announced, I should say, um, but there's reports that the Big Ten is going to have to move to a conference-only football schedule. So all non-conference games will be removed from the schedule, um, which means no Notre Dame, no Ohio State-Oregon, because that was supposed to be a big matchup this year. Um, you're not going to see any SEC teams playing Big Ten teams. And there, it's it's being rumored that that's all fall sports are going to fall under that conference-only schedule, which, listen, it's still not right, but it's better. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong, I still think uh, – I. I truly think if there are no students on campus or only partially students on campus, that sports should not be played. Because that's not really fair to ask these players to come on campus, especially if their program is all online. It's not fair for them to have to come on campus and train. Mm-hmm. Well, they're exposed to whatever may be there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the other conference that made actually did make an announcement, I'm pretty sure, is the ACC, and they announced a conference-only football schedule. So that means Florida State, Clemson aren't going to be playing big SEC teams. So that Florida State-Florida rivalry, done for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson does not get to play. I'm trying to think of who they have a rivalry with. I, I could not tell you. <laughs> it's usually Auburn. But. Yeah, I guess. But they won't be playing them this year. Um, no. But you'll still get big things like Duke-UNC. Like, there's still big matchups if, if you really want to look for them, but you're losing part of your schedule. Like, let's be honest, mm-hmm. that's that's the key. And, again, the ACC is still a pretty widespread conference. Like, you obviously have Florida State, and then you have teams in the Carolinas, uh, Clemson. They're, they're all over. It's still a lot of travel in my mind, and that means they're still mm-hmm. going to be spending time in hotels, and that's where I have I have the issue. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, it would make sense if you're bus to stadium, stadium to bus home. Yeah. But if you're going bus, stadium, hotel, hotel to stadium, back to wherever, back to wherever, you're moving around consistently. I don't I don't know if they can guarantee any sort of safety, but you still can't guarantee any sort of safety from bus to stadium. You know what I mean? No, um, of course not, but it it's one less place to limit, right? Exactly. I think eventually you'll, you'll start, maybe they'll start, and they'll be like, eh, maybe this isn't safe anymore, and more teams will announce a push to the fall. I mean, to the winter, sorry. Yeah. Um, I think Smart On, the Ivy League, I mean, Smart On U Sports here in Canada to make that decision as tough as it was, but you got to think about the safety of everyone included. Not of just course. The fact that you're bringing in whatever you're bringing in. Of course, and I agree with you 100%. I want to talk about one thing in the Canadian university uh sports i think we're, we're kind of done with the nc2a conversation i want to talk yeah. about a very very we just praised the u sports for canceling false uh, championships i'm about to rip on u sports and i'm going to go on a mini rant here please just let me go go for it um u sports made a decision and announced it this week that all 24 year old football players who this would have been their last year because there is an age cap in football and youth sports. You can't play when you're 25. So all 24-year-old players 
who would have been able to play there last year will not be allowed to play next year as an exemption, which is absolutely ridiculous. And you look across the Twitter sphere on people who are just floored by this decision, and it makes no sense. Listen, we are in the middle of a goddamn pandemic. There are exemptions being made across the world in regards to finances, in regards to eligibility, in regards to jobs. You guys canceled the season. You canceled the championships across three out of your four conferences. And even the fourth conference, there's a chance that they don't play. And you're not going to allow the players who spent four years in the program to get to their fifth and senior year an exemption in order to play after the pandemic. You're insane. And people are up in arms, and rightfully so, and they should be. You need to get your head screwed on straight, U Sports, and figure it out. It's not hard. These players worked four years in the programs, a lot of them. Some of them had to transfer from the States because they wanted to get a chance to play, which is great, by the way. And now you're not going to allow them to play in their senior year, the one that culminates everything, and for some of them, might be their last chance to play competitive football. Because not all of them are getting drafted to the CFL. Not all of them are going to sign a deal. It's not going to happen. Some of these players are just university players and will go on to have great careers in whatever they studied in university for four or five years. Some of them might become great coaches. But this is their last year to play the sport that they love, the sport that they worked so hard for. And you're going to say, yeah, no, we're not going to make an exception. It's one year. They're not asking you to make an exception all the way down the line and allow 25-year-olds to play. That's not what people are asking. They're asking for next season to make an exemption rule for the 24-year-olds this year that would have had a chance to play next year. There's my rant. I mean, I, I don't know how to improve that rant because that was great. In, in what way can they not make any sort of adjustment for the coming season? I mean, like you said, the finance world, academics, um, jobs, like student jobs, um, career paths, like they've all made some sort of adjustment, but you're telling me... Forget just the student world. Think about the world in general. Everyone's made exceptions. Everyone's changed the rules. The workforce is now at home Mm -hmm. and thriving, by the way, because they're not spending an hour in traffic both directions to get to and from work. They're not wasting time. They're working from home and being as productive, if not more productive, because they're more damn comfortable at home. Right? That's an exception that's been made because of the pandemic. It's not just student force. And now you're going to eliminate this senior year for these players. Like, it's absolutely mind-bogglingly stupid. Yep. And I'm sorry I got super heated there. 
what though i think it's a it's a good conversation to have because i mean if you're like what we're 24 25 the both of us here 25 i'm 25 yeah yeah but we lose the fact that you know for the first year and a half of our university career when we're playing sports hypothetically you're on the bench you're not playing much and yeah unless you're unless you're an exceptional athlete like right and then when you get to your senior year, you're a regular. This is your time to shine. This is what you work for for those first three to four years of your career. Uh, exactly. Like I, I, like you want to give away each of these players as nice swan songs to be like, I might not be an athlete going forward, uh, past this because I have a job in let's say the the tech industry because that's what my degree was in. I'm not playing in the NFL. I'm not going to play in the CFL. I might not go into coaching. Like I want to have a great year, especially if you're, you know, top tier football for example like your western or your mac or whoever is top i don't know who's top right now but if you're those top western so if you're like western and you're like yo everyone three years ago kept keeps winning they keep playing really well like i want to have that chance to win yeah i don't know i think it's heartbreaking i think it's a shit decision but it's it's a brutal decision Mm -hmm. it is absolutely terrible and i it i've been trying to wrap my head around it because it came out i think thursday and it was announced by, oh, who was it? I can't remember. But, like, big names across sports media have jumped on this and been like, what the hell are you thinking? Like, Arash Madani put out a tweet. Um, I think Tim McAuliffe might have said something, too. Like, big names in Canadian sports media are talking about this. And they're just floored. Like, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And I've spent the last... The better part of the last seven years watching university college or university football in Canada. I worked, obviously, you know, I worked in broadcasting at Western. I got to broadcast the Western games and I got to see the top schools in Ontario come and play at Western. Mm-hmm. And Western's been a top school the entire time. Mac has been a top school. Mac won the OUA this year and went mm-hmm. to the com- and went to the national semifinal. Um, beat. Western at home, which was, that was a tough one to watch. Right? But, Western, let's, I'm, I'm going to use a great example. Uh, Western player, Mark Leggio, the kicker. Right? He got drafted this year, so he's a little bit different. But this would have been his fifth year. His first year, he played half the season. Because kickers are a little different. They can come in from high school and start. I'll give you a different example, though. Player like Cedric Joseph, running back. Last year was his fifth year. But his first three years, yeah, I'll repeat that. First three years, the highest he got on the depth chart was third. Three years he sat behind two of the top running backs in not just the OUA, but U Sports. His fourth year, he moved up to second on the depth chart. Not first, second. And then last year, he got his chance. Mm-hmm. Think about the players who have done that. Countless. Right? Countless. No, but think about the players this year who would have taken over as the starter in their senior mm-hmm. year that are now not going to be considered a starter in their entire university career. Like, that's tough. 
That is a tough pill to swallow. And U Sports just doesn't get it. They don't understand. And it's brutal. And I don't want I, I don't want to get too much more into it because I will get heated again. Alright, so let's move on then. Yeah. But that's my two cents. Two and a half cents, I guess I should say. Um let's move on. Um and we're gonna go back to the NFL as this week. 49ers running back Raheem Mostert, I always say his last name wrong, I think that's right, uh, requested a trade. Uh, This comes after attempting to renegotiate his contract with the 49ers, but they could not come to a deal. He signed a three-year deal in 2019 when he was basically just a special teams guy for 2.7 roughly uh, per year. I think think it averages out to like 2.7. Oh, yeah. And then last year, he led the team in rushing with 772 rushing yards. And he actually was second in the NFL in yards per carry with 5.64. The only person that he trailed in that category was Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I think he's probably worth a little bit more than 2.7 mil to the 49ers this year. Yeah. I think he only is making 2.5. I think the way his contract broke down, like the uh-huh. average is out to 2.7, but this year he's getting like 2.5 or something. I believe it's uh, 3.5 because it was a three-year $8.7 million contract. Uh, 3.15 is what it's saying. It's a weird breakdown. Yeah. I don't know. The I was average salary was like two point two nine or something. Okay. Well, regardless, he's making sub four in total, or sub three and a half. Yeah. Is... I don't know. Like for me, mm-hmm. I struggle with trying to average out how much people should be making because <laughs> it's mm-hmm. sort of ridiculous. Um, but he had. Let's let's see. He had 137 rushes for 772 yards last year. Mm-hmm. That's more than triple his total yardage for his entire career, basically. Almost triple his entire career before that, and he's been in the league since 2015. Like, let's let's make that very clear. He had four years where he did absolutely nothing. And then last year he got a chance and he he played very very well and the the 49ers were definitely a weird team when it came to rushing like they had 1 2 3 4 5 people with over 100 rush yards last year like you don't you don't see that from very many teams um but to put into perspective Tevin Coleman who had the exact same number of rush attempts had over 230 or over 220 less yards. I believe he's making like nine mil or something. Mm-hmm. They're on the same team, by the way. Like to point that one out. <laughs> like that's that's a huge discrepancy, and I don't know if Mostert was trying to get nine mil like. His his teammate, mm-hmm. but 
Like, I can see why he's a little upset with what he is making this year. Yeah, I can see why he's also upset, but I can see from the 49ers' perspective, if you go back to his 2017-2018 stats, for example, um, they weren't the best, right? Like, they weren't top-notch. He also didn't play as much. Um, I was going to say, he so had 7.7 yards per carry. He, he did, but he played, what, nine games, uh, only had 261 yards. Um, I'm just, like, I'm comparing the numbers in terms of that, and I'm seeing, like, Every year, yeah, he's improved, but yeah. this past year was, like, phenomenal. Like, he was great this past year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Maybe from maybe from their management perspective, they're looking at it that give us another year, uh, similar numbers, like, very good numbers, and, and that will warrant the fact that you deserve more in your contract, for example. And then, but what happens if 2020, it's a down year where he's, like, much less than what he did last year, and it's not a spectacular season, and the 49ers don't do as well, that you're, like, did you really deserve that conversation with us? Fair enough. I, I get what you're saying. I think I, you're, you finished, sorry. Yeah, I was just saying, like, based on his, his career averages, like, last year was the anomaly, if you want to say it and call it an anomaly, but it was a very different year. Um, I would expect, like, if I'm, uh, you know, negotiating contracts from in the 49ers' perspective, I'd be like, I want to see another good year, and halfway through the year, if you're same cliff, it's the same way that you're intense, like your intensity's there, you're, the way you're getting your rush yards, you're getting your yards, you're getting your TDs, then let's renegotiate at that point. And I get what you're saying, but look at it, looking at his stats again, I'm going to look at it from a different angle. He was only go, given 34 rush attempts in 2018. Yes. And he had 261 yards. That's 7.7 yards per attempt. Mm-hmm. If he does that over a full season, which is very hard, don't get me wrong, like that's that's a tough ask. Um, that would have put him first in yards per attempt this year. Mm-hmm. Ahead of Lamar Jackson. He okay. would have been the only player to get over seven yards per attempt. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, I think if you're looking backwards, you also have to realize that he has been doing well when it when given the ball. It's just he needs to be given the ball more. But, I mean, if you're, like, I was just saying it from a 49ers perspective as to why they're not potentially giving him the contract that he should be getting. That's fair. And I understand yeah. that. And I, I get what you're saying. So, it'll be interesting to see if he ends up getting traded. Um, obviously, teams need a good running back. So they need multiple. Multiple good running backs. Multiple good running backs, man. The lifespan of a running back is not very long. Short. Short, short, short. short. I can I can see why his camp is like trying to renegotiate it because they can they can have the same argument that you did as yard you know yard average per carry is ridiculous. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what actually comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Let's move on, and we're bringing back one of our favorites and one of our fan favorite segments. It is the return of the tire fires of the week, Irfan. I know you wanted this back, so this is awesome. Yo, I wanted this back for a while. Like, <laughs> every, every other week, I'd be like, hey, Nick, so are we doing tire fires? Like, yeah, no, no, not this week. Don't worry, don't worry. We'll get yeah. back to it. So I'm glad we're back to it. I know, I'm sorry. That's okay. But tire fires are back. And for those of you who are new to the tire fire segment, basically what it is, it is the worst sports stories of the week. The biggest screw-ups, the most ridiculous 
managerial decisions and the worst player decisions of the week. We put them head-to-head in Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram polls. And you guys get to vote. And the winner will move on to the next week and go up against that week's batch of absolutely brutal people. <laughs> this week, we are just we just have me and Irfan, unfortunately. As I mentioned, Kyle could not be here. So you're only going to have two options. So you either go one way or you go the other way. And we don't vote. But let's get right into it. Irfan, I'm going to let you start. Let's hear your tire fire of the week. Uh, as soon as this tire fire happened, I think I sent Nick a message going, what the actual hell? I think um, it was within two hours. Yeah, it was pretty close. Yeah, it was, it was very quick. I saw it and I was like, this is the stupidest shit I've seen in a really long time. It was. Um, I think the best part about that, though, hold on, I, before we get into it, yeah. the best part about it is that like literally earlier in the day, we had decided that we were going to do tire fires. And I think I had just finished the logo right before you sent me this. <laughs> like, it was almost, like, instantaneous. Anyways, continue. Uh, you know, Lazio defender Patrick, I hope I said that right, was banned four games and fined $10,000 for um, fighting an opponent. Um, dude, your team's in second. You haven't played well at all. Milan absolutely dusted you. Um, and... Now you just bite a guy and uh, I, bite gate 2.0 is what I think what you called it. But yep, bite um, gate 2.0. Um, um, guys, it's COVID 19. What? Why are you biting somebody? <laughs> um, like, sure, if this was like before COVID was a thing, but the fact that you're doing it, I think. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you just say it's okay to bite people or fun? No, no, I didn't say it's okay. I just said I would understand it more if it was pre-COVID because it'd be like, well, I guess you're not afraid of germs at this point. But the fact that the germs and the viruses are a thing um, right now, even though they're always the thing, by the way, folks, uh, health is important no matter what. Don't bite but people. Don't. You're not Luis Suarez. You're not. Just don't bite people. Even Luis Suarez, don't bite people. Man, if you're hungry, go off the pitch and get yourself some chicken or some steak. Like, yes. don't bite someone's freaking arm. It's so dumb. It's um, bad. It's so bad. Uh, like, if I'm, if I'm, you know, Donati there, I'd be like, yeah, I might take legal action because you're so dumb. But I don't think they will. He's been fined. I think he's been suspended for the rest of the season. Um, and the oh. suspension and the fine are whatever. It's the fact that he bit somebody that makes this a tire fire. Like... So bad. Like what? What's your decision? Like, what are you thinking in that mindset? Like, I'm pissed. Let me go yell at, like, bite someone. No, just go. Well, yell the best at- part is, is like, it was sort of like out of the blue. Like, there were two players on. What was it? Lecce. Lecce. Was it Lecce? No, Lecce's yeah, like- Lecce's the team that Donati plays for. No, he. Plays or Lecce. sorry, he's Lazio. So yeah, there was two Lecce yeah. players just kind of standing there. It looked like they were getting ready for like a free kick or a corner kick or something. They're having a discussion, right? And then he just walks by. And he walks up, and the one guy just puts his arm up, like, not even at Patrick or the other player. And he's just like, huh, what? Like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't some sort of love tap thing that you do when no one's looking. This is like... No, if you want to be smart, you step on their arch. Wait, did I say that? No. (laughs) Me? No. If you have a problem, just... You step on the guy's arch. I don't care. Like so I, I played high enough level soccer to know there are many 
many ways to get back at somebody. Many ways that won't get you in trouble. Or might get you a yellow card at the most. But it won't get you suspended for damn games. No. Stepping on a guy's heel as you walk by. That one that one's a good one. Especially when you're wearing the metal studs. <laughs> that and stepping on a guy's arch with metal studs, oh. See, my favorite was, because I never got caught for it, was when you're, like, really mad, you just pinch the guy when you're running with them, just a little, little pinch on uh, the arm or the... Okay, so it's see, funny. I, I say these, I yeah. know them, mm-hmm. I never did them. Oh, see, I did the pinch. I was the, I was the cleanest player, and I still am to this day. Like, I don't... I went two years playing OYSL soccer without having a foul called against me as a defender. I knew how to tackle. I knew yeah. how to avoid getting cards. I never got a card in my entire career. Never once. Boy. As a defender, is very, very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I <laughs> I've had once. And for that incident, <laughs> I got caught. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, I know how to step on a guy's arch and get away with it. I know how to step on a guy's heel and get away with it. I know how to grab a guy's shirt and make it look like I'm not grabbing a guy's shirt. I know how to do that. I don't do it, but I know how. There are so many ways you could piss this guy off, and Patrick just decided to bite him. Let me let me eat you first. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. All right. Well, that's my tire fire. What's yours? Okay, my tire fire is a combo of tire fires. Okay. Um, but they're all kind of related. Um, and we're gonna call it bubble meals. Okay. And it's exactly that. Inside the MLB or NBA and MLS bubbles recently on Twitter, we have seen players showing us the meals that they're getting during the bubble quarantine. And they ain't what was advertised. Let's put it that way. Uh, They're bad. And some players are getting certain things. Some players are getting other things. And it's getting to the point where it's just not really congruent across every player. Uh, Troy Daniels was the one who showed the NBA one, and it is small, first of all. Like, these are pro athletes, and they're getting, like, children's meals. Um, And then he didn't get part of what was on the menu for some reason, but someone else did, but they didn't get another part of the menu. Like, it's just inconsistent. Uh, the MLS players did the same thing. There's a couple of them who have showed pictures. They're just bad. And it's not a good look for the MLS and NBA players or NBA leagues because these players are going to struggle. If that's what they're eating consistently, they're not going to have energy by the time they get to the finals. Like, yeah. it's just not going to happen. Well, wasn't there a report that LeBron's going to take his chef with him? To there was to the jokes, point. I believe. I don't know if it's yeah. official or anything, but yeah, like, I. I could not see LeBron eating that for, what is it, like three months? No. Right? Because how long are their playoffs going to go? It's about three months, right? Roughly, yeah. With the way the season's there's no play. way. If he gets to the final, there's no way he's been eating that for three months. Like, it's brutal. It's bad. And I hope the NHL can figure out a better way to do it. It looks like the MLB's figured it out. Like, I haven't seen any players complaining about the food in their bubble for yeah. training camp. Like, the Jays, no one's complained about that. Um, but it's interesting. Like, I, I just don't get it. They're 
grown athletes, I think they should get fed like grown athletes. Well, at least get fed what we get fed, like crap. Yep. <clears throat> like we, ha- I had a great meal yesterday. I had fish and chips. It was awesome. <laughs> I didn't have enough. I I should have ordered two instead of one, but I eat a lot. Okay. Yeah. Imagine these athletes. Like these guys burn calories. Like that. That is just unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And that's why it is my tire fire of the week. Probably I think those are like good. It. So we will put these up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook with the poll. Make sure you vote as much as possible. Uh, Unfortunately, I think the Instagram poll is only like 24 hours. So there's only so much we can do with that. But we'll put a poll up on Facebook. We'll put a poll up on Instagram. Make sure you vote. Or not on Instagram, on Twitter. God, there's too many social media platforms. So vote on one of them. Vote on all of them. Why not? Um, I'll let you start with your last thought of the week, Irfan. Um, hockey's back in a couple of weeks. I'm super pumped. <laughs> Good. I like it. Mm-hmm. Mine's going to be a little bit longer, but not much. Um, yesterday it was announced that Vladdy is going to move from third base to first base for the Jays. And he'll split his time as a DH in first base, which I think is, first of all, it was inevitable, was going to happen at some point. A lot of us mm-hmm. thought it might happen 2021 or 2022. Turns out it's happening in 2020. Um, but it makes sense. And the other thing is that by doing that, they sort of open up that third base slot, not necessarily for this year, although it might be this year, depending on how the two guys I'm about to mention play, but more likely for 2021 or 2022. But it opens up that spot for Jordan Groshans and recently drafted and signed $7 million man, Austin Martin. Now, realistically, in order to get them both in, they're both not going to play third base. It's probably not the way to do it. So it looks like Martin is going to be pushed to shortstop or center field because he played both the fact that he has that flexibility is huge makes makes a world of difference um but that's what could happen and jordan groshans has shown well in the first two inter-squad games or if you can call them that they're modified inter-squad games i guess i should say um if he's ready to go there's a chance he plays this year at third base I don't, I don't think it happened because they have Travis Shaw, yeah. who is a very serviceable third baseman in the MLB and can hit, like, bombs. Mm-hmm. And if he's playing Good half power. his games in Toronto, you want a bomb hitter. Um, But Groshans is a good player. And he's a... Mm-hmm. I know he's never played above high A. I don't think he's ever actually played in high A. I think the highest he's played is with the Vancouver Canadians. But if he shows better than anybody else and he's on the bench even, mm-hmm. that's a win for this organization right there. Yeah. And to put it into perspective, there's a chance that next year the lineup could look like this. And just hear me out. It might be next year. It might be the year after. But hear me out before you say anything because I think this is pretty incredible. Catcher is Danny Jansen. He's cemented himself moving forward, and that's great. 
First base looks to be Vlad and Rowdy. And the other one will be the DH most likely. Okay. Second base, there's a chance that they move Bichette over to second. And there's a reason for that, and I'm, I'm going to get to that. Shortstop, we have one of the top shortstop prospects in Orelvis Martinez. So he'll probably slot in there. Maybe that's more realistically in 2022. But there's a chance he could be ready for next year. Groshan starts at third. And then in the outfield, you have a combination, and I don't know which position necessarily for the two corner guys because they can sort of rotate, but you have Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Austin Martin, and Kevin Biggio. That is a very dangerous lineup and also a very fast lineup, which is something the Jays haven't had in years. Like, honestly... Groshans can steal bases. Bichette steals bases. Martinez steals bases. Biggio steals bases. Martin can steal bases. And then you have the power bats of Guriel, Bichette, Vladdy, Rowdy. Rowdy. And the only weak offensive bat is Danny Jansen. And he still batted about 230 last year. And as a catcher, that's not bad. But he is such a good catcher that it you kind of just let it go mm-hmm. like that's a good roster then you throw in the pitching of Hunjin Ryu mm-hmm. Nate Pearson yeah. Sean Reed okay. Foley yeah. Simeon Woods Richardson Alex Manoa Anthony yeah. Kay yeah. like I could go on there's probably three more that I could see possibly making the show like mm-hmm. hey guys Give it a year or two, and these Jays are going to be dangerous. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think they're making the right decision moving Vladdy to first. Again, more I, athletic third baseman, I just opinion. think it was a little bit earlier than most people expected. I think he came into camp and they made that decision going, I think we need someone more athletic at third. And Well, he was ranked last among third basemen defensively last year in the AL. That's not a good sign. No, and I think when you have Josh Donaldson as your former third baseman, you kind of expect a little bit more coming out of the corner there. And the reason Donaldson was moved was because Vladdy wanted to come in, right? Like, that's sort of the whole reason that Donaldson had to move. Mm -hmm. So it kind of looks bad, but the fact that we also have Groshans and Martin (laughs) and Martinez, who could all play third base technically if we needed Mm -hmm. them to. Like, it's, it's not the end of the world. No. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this team plays in a 60-game season. No. That 60-game that season can be great for a lot of very subpar teams if they get hot. Right. You get 60 games. Mm-hmm. 60 games is not long in the MLB world. So mm-hmm. That's my final thought. It was a long one. I'm sorry. That's fine. That's fine. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Garage Door Sport. Follow us on Instagram at Garage Door Sports. You can check us out on Facebook. We are now on LinkedIn as well. If you want to follow us there. Um, this week we released our newest show, 20 Minutes on Ice. Make sure you check out our website for up-to-date stuff on 20 Minutes on Ice. First episode is posted with the video as well. If you'd rather watch me and Ryan do that one. 
other than hear it. Um, keep following our page and our website as we try to bring you up-to-date info all across the sports world. For Irfan Manji, I am Nick McVicker, and we will see you next time.